This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. ¿Qué pasa, campeones? Welcome to the Churros y Tácticas Podcast. It is March the 30th, and we're recording this on a Tuesday because yesterday. Neither Kian nor I could get to our mics at a decent time, which coincided with our schedule. So Tuesday churros it is, but you know that extra day in the fryer means they're coming out extra crispy. And folks, we got a gang of questions for you guys going over a Patreon mailbag today. And uh, let me tell you, the questions are very interesting, very diverse, and as always, very entertaining. So you're going to get your churros worth of Liga Spanish football-related content here. And going through it today, of course, as every Churrosi Tacticas episode, is my man Kian Sobani. Kian, what's going on on this Churros Tacticas Tuesday? Well, I'm just devastated because we have to answer all these really fun questions instead of talking about Spain's possession. So I just i am so heartbroken. Um. Um, but, you know, we do what we got to do. We put ourselves to the fire because we love our patrons and our listeners as a whole. So... Um, I'm happy to just get to the questions. I know we kind of got limited time, and uh, it's a miracle we actually were able to coincide today. So, no doubt. Ironically, we have a question about Spain right off the bat. So, our patron Tapiwa Musa yep. says, Will we ever see a Spain that's not frustrating anytime soon? In the sense that ever since the 2014 <laughs> World Cup, they seem to have always. Uh, they seem to always have several dull, heavy possession-based games with little to no potent threat going forward, regardless of personnel. And as we saw in the 2018 World Cup, whenever they come up against a deep block that takes their chances, like what happened with Russia, they often end up with pie on their faces. Hmm. I don't. I mean, do you want to take this, Keon? I've got my, you know, thoughts on this uh, question. Uh, a great question from Taps. But um, you want to jump on this one first? Yeah, uh, I'm happy to. Um, I think... So I don't think we've seen the true Spain yet, the one that Lucho has envisioned for the Euros. Um, But I don't also... I also think that that's not a good excuse. I think it's actually a little bit of a problem that we haven't seen that version yet because that's going to creep up on us. Did you know that tomorrow... Is it tomorrow that's April? April 1st is tomorrow? Am I getting that right? No, mm-hmm. it's uh, April first is mm-hmm. on Thursday. Don't agree with me. It's on Thursday. You got You can't just okay. accept my opinions blindly. You got to fact check me. It's not tomorrow, Diego. It's on Thursday. But mm-hmm. the point is that to, uh, this week is April, and the Euro start in June, and we have yet to see the real Spain yet. It's a bunch of different lineups every single game. There's no continuity. There's no rhythm. There's no. Um, there's nothing that sustains from one game to another. It wasn't that long ago that you and I were talking about, uh, I don't know which game it was, I, but it was one of those fun games where Adama Traore was really fun to watch on the right wing. And there were all these cool young new pieces. And there still is. I mean, there's, you know, Pedri made his debut over the international break and he, he looked really good. Um, and, you know, Danny Omo obviously scored a great 
uh, game winner. So there are still those young faces there and and all that. I just don't think we've seen this, the true starting 11 yet. There's just so much variance. And I've said that before. And I think it becomes a problem that we haven't seen it yet because you're going into Euros kind of like trying to figure this out from scratch. It kind of reminds me of the Clippers problem last season where they never had their full team available. They just were like, okay, it's okay because we'll have it ready for the playoffs. But we never saw them get it together because they never were able to form that cohesiveness in the regular season. That worries me a little bit because I think this actually, the squad on paper is one of the deepest in Europe, if not the deepest. Maybe doesn't isn't loaded with superstar power like a France or a Portugal, but it's pretty loaded, and I think it can compete. Um, I don't think it's the favorite, but it should be on paper a quarter finalist at the very least, and and possibly more. So it worries me. And the heavy possession stuff. Look, I think it's going to vary game to game. Um, I think we've, you know, the problem with 2014 World Cup was that it was so stale and the players are so old. And then it, that kind of carried over to 2018. A lot of those old faces still remain in the team. And I think you just needed a rejuvenation at that point, which is why Lucho was so important. Um, but we can't forget that Lopetegui had this team playing really fun football before the World Cup. And and after, Lucho has had some really fun games. I just think that Lucho has put so much emphasis on tryouts and giving new names uh, playing time that I think it's going to be really hard to form that cohesiveness whether you face a low block or not and um and i i think that's 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 what i i'd be most concerned about because i don't i don't think that if you have your cohesiveness this talent you can figure out the ways to break a low block all these players are cerebral they're they're direct they're they're moving off the ball is good all that stuff is good um and you have players in form i just think that you need some cohesiveness diego Mm. See, the thing is, you you hit the nail on the head with two of your points, and that's, you know, the amount of players that he's used as well as the rotations. And I was going over some stats uh, in preparation for this question, and Luis Enrique so far has coached 19 games with the Spanish national side in which he's used 57 different players. Wow. And he's made 21 – He's uh, 21 other players have had their debuts under Luis Enrique. Mm. Um now the other point that I wanna wanted to address along with this is Luis Enrique actually himself quite a while ago when he took over the the, the job as manager um, actually said this is textually here that I'm I'm paraphrasing and translating this that the idea of a fixed eleven doesn't fit in his head. Um, so with this already he start he insinuated very clearly that his idea was to use many players, figure out really where to take this revolution, because that's really um, what we're seeing under 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 Luis Enrique, right? I mean, obviously Fernando Hierro during the during the uh, what was it, the World Cup, uh, had to improvise. I mean, he had to take over. A, uh, a, a, a selection, a national side that was left in, in tatters and in shock uh, with the departure, the sudden departure and the firing, rather, of uh, Julian Lopetegui. And I think ever since then, uh, we already saw at the end of the era of the Del Bosque era that this, you know, this side, you know, it, it, it needed a change. It needed to, to, to not so much of a change in tactics or, or playing style, but I think a change in, in mindset and, and players competing for the positions as well. Spain is, is, is always a country that produces so much talent. Um, and I think right now, 
you know, with with those words of Luis Enrique resonating in the back of our heads, where he clearly, you know, stated his his intent to use not just new play or different players, but but allow a lot of the fresh new young talent to get their debuts as well, uh, and figure out a fixed eleven, or at least that in the short run, um, or potentially even in the long run. Obviously, but when the big tournament comes rolls around, you want to have you want to think that a, a fixed eleven will be. Um, sort of in his head, right? I mean, which 11 players he wants to come out uh, and, and, and face the opposition with and that he has full trust in. Uh, but I think we're, he's, or I think not, I think what we're seeing is clearly that we're still in this sort of testing phase where sometimes we see a play, uh, Spain come out that I think plays quite fun and, and this, uh, um, you know, direct, quick passing football, uh, vertical football style of football that we're, used to seeing from Luis Enrique from his time that he, he you know was coaching Barca, was coaching Celta. Um, but he hasn't, I guess, quite figured it or, or hasn't been self-convinced, rather, of uh, exactly what players he wants to use um, as his base, let's say, in, in the Spanish national side. And, you know, we've had our guesses. Uh, for example, his, his pair of central defenders, um, you know, the wingbacks, the, the midfield, but, but and, and, and strikers. We've, we've seen a lot of changes. and We've had our guesses, with which we think are, are more fixed and more likely to repeat uh, in the starting 11 as opposed to others. But... Um, but you know, right now it's it's very similar to to Luis Aragonés, right? Uh, Kiana, I think we discussed this as well once uh, on the pod that that Luis Aragonés was very famous for, you know, uh, rotating players around for for having players debut as well under him, and um, so, you know. I guess to, to to get back to the original question from Taps is is uh, I'm I'm trying to pull it up now. What I think it was, will we see or or, or will we stop being frustrated? Right. Right. Um, uh, here it is. Uh, will we ever see a Spain that is not frustrating anytime soon? Um, you know, how do you answer that? What what is what is with what do you measure that Taps? You know, is are you getting frustrated by the rotations, the lack of identity, the lack of of convincing play? Uh, I guess my answer to that question is yeah, strap yourself strap yourself in because I don't think he's quite figured it out himself yet uh, how he or yeah how and who he wants to have uh, playing in his team. So I think this will be a. a go on continue on a little bit longer and and of course we've got the euros right around the corner so um i mean at some point is, is the rotations either have to stop or or uh, they continue and and we'll see what results we get uh, but yeah I, I i guess right now it's it's a little bit of a question mark and um as to what spain will we get and and, and what we expect from this the spain moving forward well I mean, those stats are staggering, and I actually, I think that's impressive, and I actually give Luis Enrique a lot of credit for giving all those debuts and having all those. Uh, I actually believe like that the ideology of, you know, I don't have fixed starting 11 can be beneficial, especially when you're going through a transition phase, when you're trying to find something new. You're really, you're kind of reinventing the wheel, and you, that's what he was asked to do, to start from 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 scratch and start fresh, right. incorporate a lot of young players, yeah. and that takes time to figure out, and I totally understand that. I think what he, he'll have to settle on something because to me, when he says something like that, that to me means well, what, it just means that no player is above the nation, quote unquote, you know, so to speak. 
Um, yeah. And that yeah. no one is indispensable. And if you're not good there, you're not going to start. It, it won't depend on your name. But eventually, I think you have to land on something. Because like, even with Aragonés, um, but in the year 2008, it was a lock. Like everyone, it was, your, your midfield was Senna, Iniesta, Xavi, and Silva. Those four were always in the team. And usually it was Torres who was starting. And then Villa would come in and out. Xavi, Alonso, and Cesc would come in and out. But that was your starting quartet. Iniesta, Xavi, Silva, and uh, and Senna. And then the backline picked itself too with Ramos, Puyol, Marchena, Captavia. So he had he had a starting eleven, which which gave them a lot of continuity um, and ability to establish with them. I just think like you ha- you have to figure that out at some point. Um, so yeah, uh, that, that's something he'll have to figure out. Uh, Nine. He has not just to finish this one last little stat uh, mm-hmm. for those interested. He hasn't repeated a sim- an, um, an eleven nine of the eleven times. Of the last 11 times, excuse me. Mm. Of the last 11 games. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So Harsh Varela says, Hey, Kian and Diego, I hope you guys are both doing great. So here's my question. There is a real possibility that both Madrid and Barca will change managers in the summer. They both have various reasons for that. And by looking at potential alternative, alternatives, I guess we could see Raul and Xavi managing their clubs. Let's say if it happens... Um, then one thing is for sure that the Classico would be much more exciting. What do you guys think will change uh, or improve in the Classico? I want to see those days of Pep versus Mourinho. <laughs> um, you know, many argue that the days of Pep and Mourinho were actually not, you know, the glory days, the golden age of Classicos, but actually something to be frowned upon and we should never be repeated again. Um <laughs> Yeah, may, it, the, glory uh, days, incident, maybe not glory so days, think... maybe it was um, the most heated days, maybe, most hostile. Yeah. It yes. was a war. Yeah. It was, it was. Although and, it was and, Barca's you know, I, uh, I, I, glory days, you could argue. Yeah, right, right. I mean, uh, but I think if we look at this as a whole, as a, you know, a classico, as it's like unique sort of um, individual sort of unit, I guess its own little world, uh, for it to go back to, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we, you and I, we often talk about, you know, we like rivalries and we don't like the buddy buddy and, and the, the hand claps and the, uh, all the good nature, let's say, that take place necessarily before uh, or after a game. Um, we want to see things get chippy and feisty and, and, you know, at least to, to be taken serious and, and, and for the, the level of competition. Uh, the competitive spirit to really be released uh, on the biggest stage. And, and for me, what is the biggest club football match in the world, you know? Uh, and I don't think there should necessarily be, um, uh, I never know if I'm using this saying correct, like love lost, love lost between the two teams. Uh, that's, that's like, there, there isn't any love lost. How, am I using that right? Like, uh, that's a bad thing, right? Like, it, it's, uh, I don't know. I half the it means they half don't the like times I Is say that... an expression, I don't even know if I'm using it correctly. So I'm not really the one to ask. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think okay, it means. Well, good. Uh, You're with me on that one. I, I think it just means that there's. It's like two entities who just don't like each other. Love lost. Right. No, okay. Love lost, exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes. And well, I mean, I, I, I do prefer more, uh, you know, of, of an, yeah, football matches of a nature where there isn't any love lost between the two teams, put it that way. So how what do we need to get back to it? Well, uh, Raul and Xavi, I don't know. It's, is, is that what is, what, what's going to bring back the, uh, 
the 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 feistiness in classical skiing you think um i mean just based on pure uh the raul is like the i think in this context chavi would probably instigate things like Mourinho more than Raul would. So it might be flipped here in terms of who would be mm-hmm. the instigator and who would cause the tension and who would react to it. Although Raul is quite feisty as a coach, so I don't know. Um, but, you know, there is potential to have it more interesting. I always feel like the more, like, not necessarily homegrown, but certainly players who are there around classical a lot would add to it a lot. So, you know, the reason Ramos and Puyol made classical so special is because Ramos and Puyol were both around the classical for a long time. So you, it's familiarity. You get to see those opponents often and you see them in the same team in the same game as often as Ramos and Puyol. It becomes really interesting. Yeah. PK too. And they got to know the meaning behind the classical. Right. Sure. Uh, And so over time, Roberto Carlos develops that and, um, uh, and Jordi Alba develops that, you know, you don't even mean so. Um, Raul mm. and Xavi certainly would understand the weight of the Clásico and therefore would make it interesting, possibly. I don't know. It's 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 hard to predict these things. We can talk about Xavi, too. Like, what's, what do you think is the timeline with him? Because Koeman's doing really well right now. I feel like if Barca continue like this and by the end of the season, it would be really harsh to, to do away with Koeman. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it all depends over the next couple of uh, upcoming matches and weeks. Um, you know, obviously the two trophies that are still up for grabs uh, are, are those won, and if not, uh, how are they lost, and what manner are they lost? Um, if if it, it all everything goes tits up and there's no cup trophy and no Liga trophy, and you know we lose the Clasico and and and, and the, the 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 Barça Leti in awful manner. Then there's still a chance, of course, I think, for Kuman to um, to be fired. Uh, if not, if if we say you know go out with our heads held high, aka um, the knockout match against uh, PSG, then I think you know and, and and we win the cup, or again we lose valiantly, let's say, then I think there might still be a good chance for uh, Kuman to stay on. Um, and with regards to the Clasico, I think that also things like that make. Uh, would make the classical uh, 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 more spicy as well. Let's say you know it's uh, these kind of the, the end of the the seasons write different chapters for or, or upcoming chapters for classical matches as well. There's still one that has to be played now. There's a liga uh, up for grabs or to play for. So you know these kind these are the games that could refuel reignite. Let's say. Yeah, that that warrior spirit, that battling spirit, the the rivalry, the, the the one of the oldest and for me the best rivalry in club football in in the world. And uh, homegrown players, more homegrown players. I, I'm kind of digressing or going reverting back to what would make a classical great again. Um, but uh, you know, we yeah, I, th- I guess we have we have a chance. We're at the cusp of potentially an, another chapter in the history of classicals if uh, La Liga still up for grabs and Madrid and Barça are fighting for it. I just think with Xavi too, I mean, Raul kind of fits the bill in this too. Xavi will always be there as an option. You know what I mean? Mm. I feel like there shouldn't be a rush. If you're Barcelona anyway, I think it's a a high risk to sack Koeman because I feel like he's he's some, he's brewing something here. But I could be he, wrong, but it feels yeah, like he's brewing if, something. Even if it all goes tits up, Kian, and mm-hmm. he loses the way I said, like, and just badly. Yeah. 
No, and that no, 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 not in that scenario. But I'm just saying, if he continues like this, it's promising. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, and and Chavi sure. will always be there. So like, if he's doing well, I say you ride with him, and then you know, mm-hmm. Chavi is just a phone call away. I could be wrong, but it's kind of like Chavi is like no, no, for sure. Chavi's like the the little uh, Chavi's like your mom in this situation. You know, she'll always yeah. be a phone yeah. call away. For, I don't know if right. that analogy yeah, actually makes sense. And he's or not, young, but, yeah. <laughs> it does, okay. and um, I'm, and 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 you're right, and and he's still very young. Um, I, I I mean, how realistic and how real is the option of Raúl at at this point in time? I don't think so. Like, let's say in the hypothetical that Zidane is not the coach this summer, which I still think is, like, the way Harsh words it here, where he says, it looks like this will be it will be Raúl and Xavi managing their clubs, um, mm-hmm. this summer. The real possibility. I think even that is a stretch. I don't think it's that. It's that. Uh, it's it's a foregone foregone conclusion that Zidane will not be the manager next season. But in the event that Zidane does mm-hmm. leave when he leaves, I don't think Raúl will be Plan A. I think he'll be like. Let's say I think they'll they'll go for Nagelsmann. They'll go for whoever is available at that time. Um, I don't know who that name is right now because it could be anyone in the summertime. I think if they don't get their guy, then Raul is Plan B, because usually the Castilla hmm. guy isn't Plan A. It's like it's the it's the one who gets called up if you can't get anyone else. That's yeah. usually what happens. So, I mean, that's how yeah, that's yeah. how Zidane got in too. That's how Solari got in. So, <clears throat> you're right. Um, interesting question coming up. Brennan Power says, "Who is the bigger Barca legend, Lionel Messi or Johan Cruyff, and who is the bigger Real Madrid legend, Ronaldo or Zidane?" Let's start with Barca. And this one for me is it's it's almost impossible. It's almost I mean they're intertwined. I think you know Greif set up the system that allowed Messi to get the best out of Messi, to Messi to flourish to and excel to you know being the best ever football player to ever lived. And and, and without that, I don't know if Messi would have achieved such greatness. So. I, I cannot. Obviously, Messi is the one that has smashed and set all the records and set the bar incredibly high for anybody, any future legend to, from the club to, uh, you know, that is up and coming and that will come out of, of uh, the, the, the youth ranks. But um, uh, the bigger legend, uh, I, I, for me, this one is impossible. You know, I would love to see this on a poll on, on you know, in, in, on social, social media somewhere or because I would be very interested to see the results. I would imagine that Messi takes it, um, and I would hope it would be by a small margin because I don't think you can undermine you know, what Greif has meant and has done for this club, the football in general, but, but for this club, of course, in particular. It's a really interesting one because you start comparing figures and players in this sense. So it's like... Some of it is a little bit, it's it's very difficult to answer because you're comparing in some way apples to oranges. Like, you know, you can bring in, like, for example, mm. from Real Madrid's perspective, Santiago Bernabeu yesterday, the man, uh, is one of the bigger legends in the club history, but he's not a player. So once you start comparing him to players, it's like, what do you, it's hard to really get into that discussion. But Messi is a better player than Cryoff and Ronaldo is a better player than Zidane. So you're you're comparing figures and players. And I think we're we're hmm. talking uh, Nazario or, or Cristiano. I'm sure he means talking OG. Or? I'm sure he means Cristiano because Ronaldo Nazario doesn't even stand 
close to Zidane in terms of Real Madrid legacy. So I'm well, sure okay. it's Cristiano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> um, so what's your, what was your answer? Do you have to you have to choose one? Gun to your head. No. What? Nah. Ah, oh, man. Uh. Ah, gotta go, with Messi. Yeah, it's Messi. It has to be, because if Cryf doesn't exist, Messi's still gonna be born, and Messi's still going to probably be what he was. I don't know if he reached that heights though. That's my that's my doubt. We could have seen Messi Argentina version. Well, not mm, interesting. I never thought about it that way. Interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting point. So in my mind, it's like you're starting to have a discussion. Like if if Messi grows up in Manchester United, and right. Mike, Michael Jordan gets drafted by the Blazers. Are they still exactly. Jordan and Messi? If Michael never meets Phil, yeah. I still think that, like, I still think Messi, it's pretty you clear. You put the product above the, the system. Yeah, I so. always do. I kind of always do because the product is what, like, I always believe that a transcendent player outdoes your system. Like, it, it, like you can put the best system in place to fight against a certain player or you can put the best system in place and with have and try to do without that transcendent player you're just not going to get the same kind of results that's why superstars are probably the most important and valuable commodity in football because Mm -hmm. superstars will always be the trump card over tactics or great managers they just that's just the way it is it's just they're more important um and so biggest real madrid legend cristiano ronaldo or zidane Mm -hmm. i think it's ronaldo I, i i think it has to be um yeah 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 all right as a player as a player it's not even close despite you know obviously zizou scoring the best goal ever in the champions league and real madrid's history um but you know you look at it's it everything they've accomplished both well, I mean, obviously, I was going to say both on and off the pitch. Obviously, Ronaldo's achievements with, with Madrid have only been on the pitch at this point. I don't know if he'll ever come back as a coach. Who knows? He's a driven guy. I don't know. Actually, I don't. Do you see him as a coach? Well, there's that. There was that moment with Portugal, right, in the Euros, where he was um, when they became champion of the European champions of the Euro Cup, where he was uh, he didn't play that final and he was running up and down the sideline. Like a man possessed and, and mimicking, actually doing doing similar gestures as the coach at that time. Do you remember? Do you yeah, remember those giving instructions images? too. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. You know, I don't see him as as that kind of ma- as a manager, to be honest. But I could be wrong. I just he doesn't strike me as someone who could lead a team the way I don't know somebody else could. But I also mm. think I think Messi and Cryf are closer to each other in, as a player than Ronaldo and Zidane are. Like I think. Cryf, mm. I think Cryf, like, because because look, before Messi and Ronaldo were were even born or even came to the field, Cryf was in the discussion among the greatest ever, or if not top five. Mm-hmm. And I don't, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think Zidane is not really on discussion. Like I, I understand that there are there is a contingent of people who think he is. I don't think he is personally. Mm. Uh, so I, I think Cryf and Messi are closer to each other than Ronaldo and Zidane are. That that's my opinion. 
ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when he brings it down to the discussion, it has to be as a figure. It's the whole package. It's the manager. It's the legacy. It's, you know, he was here for a sporting director position before he became a coach. He was Ancelotti's assistant. Then he came as a coach, won three Champions League titles and all that. Uh, And as a player, obviously, he was an unbelievable player too. So that all factors in. But I still think Ronaldo is the bigger legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But having said that, I think our Real Madrid fans will like Zidane more than they'll like Ronaldo. That makes sense. And I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Like they respect him more, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a subjective thing. And it's usually exactly. the socios. Those are the ones I'm referring to. Um, yeah. yeah. Seba- Sebastian Hultuana says, Churros. Some months ago, I asked about the possibility of Barca going broke. And what will happen? I see they have about seven to eight hundred million uh, short-term debt. What happens with that financial situation now that Laporta is president? I don't see Barca becoming privately owned, but I can see something similar with the, what Bayern has, like the fans owning seventy-five percent of the club and the rest belongs to Allianz. Do you guys think that Barca will have to sell stadium naming rights and align themselves with a huge investor to stay afloat? Looking at the Bayern model, it seems a pretty healthy option. I wouldn't mind even if Real Madrid has the same kind of deal in order to be able to compete with the likes of Manchester City and PSG in terms of transfer potency. Also, if Diego knows something about this, save this question for the patron-only show. Wink, wink. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, not, I know nothing officially. <laughs> and even if I did, yeah, you're right. I would not be uh, saying anything or leaking anything. Uh, that is for the Friday podcast. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I mean, look, right now, the, oh, there's only speculation, right? The refinancing of the debt, Kian, the stadium naming rights is certainly a hot topic, uh, as well as the, the talks of a new sponsor. Um, then there's the reshuffling of the other assets that the club has of which you know barca studios is one there's barca corporate there's the marketing and licensing um and you know there's what is it the innovation hub etc there's there's several branches out there um that uh, uh yeah let's say up for sale or 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 for partnership uh purposes that might be you know looking for a partner so look i'm 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 not not concerned about the financial situation. I just have faith that slowly but surely we will see, you know, Im- improvements. Uh, I have to say it was a great um, relief for me to hear the words of uh, not just two skets, but also a um, who was it? And was it a lawyer? Somebody that worked for the? I think it was the the federation, or might have even been the refereeing federation. Uh, some somebody high in the finance department there talking about how they're not concerned about you know Barca's financial situation and the debt and and the refinancing of it. Basically that there are solutions that are on the table that are currently being evaluated and being taken into account. And Tebas as well had spoken about this. So uh, again, with my, you know, with the lack of information, transparency and, and, and know-how of how this situation is or will be turned around, um, you know, I have to take for the information for what it's worth and the people that are bet more, more in the know-how and better know how these situations are handled. I have to take their word for it, um, and and believe that uh, you know, 
that 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 Barca will climb out, out on top again um, and be financially, you know, responsible, be be, be fiscally in a better situation. So, um, yeah, there's that. I have nothing to add at this point. <clears throat> um, a couple more interesting questions. C says, "Would you sign Ramos for Barca?" This is, by the way, in response to. Remember you and I were talking about if Real Madrid fans would sign Messi, and uh, right, and I was right. skeptical that they would. And a few people answered. Actually, most of them said no, we wouldn't. It's going to be subjective. But in response to that, C says, "I will answer that with another question: Would you sign Ramos for Barca, the best Spanish defender and top three in the world right now? Some things are just not meant to be." It's directed at you, Diego. Would you sign Ramos at Barca? Right now. Sure. No. Okay. Uh, three years ago? Sevilla. Sevilla, Ramos. Three years ago? Yes. Okay. Um, kind of following along this line now. Ruth Widgeretti says, My question to both of you, who is your most appreciated player from the rival team? Uh, where you acknowledge their characteristics... Um, Diego, what place do you have for Sergio Ramos in your heart? P.S. It would be unfair for me to ask your opinion without putting my opinion first. The player that I have appreciated the most on my rival team was Luis Suarez and wanted him donning the white jersey when I followed him in Liverpool in that 2013-2014 season. Okay. So you're, where does uh, Ramos have place in your heart? And also, who do you... Uh, uh, what was it? The wording... Uh, appreciate players you appreciate from the rival team. So Ramos's place in my heart is pretty much non-existent. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's a bit of a funny question. What do I like? Nowhere, you know, in no scenario did I ever get warm in my heart because of Ramos. I mean, I guess maybe with Spain, uh, with the national side. You know, it was kind of one of the, you know, it's, it's good to have him on your corner sort of thing. But also, I mean, this kind of links with the previous question about signing Ramos. Never did I really stop and, and kind of, you know, I guess clench my fist and go, oh, I really wish I had the guy on my team. Damn. Like, I mean, I never had that with Sergio Ramos. I've had it with other, you know, Madrid players. It's not because of that, but not with Ramos in particular. Um, so I guess, you know, would I sign him even three years ago? I guess my answer should have been, well, at what price and what conditions? But in any case... Um, you know, of uh, Benzema right now, players that I appreciate from from Madrid, Benzema without a doubt. Um, Valverde, I, you know, I I really liked my Valverde last season. Obviously, the beginning of the season, that first half was 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 I mean a breakout season for him, and I was thinking, oh boy, here we go. They got somebody for the long term uh, that is gonna be very very good for them and, and give them good production it's that that's somewhat faded i have to say uh but um you know that's not there's no knock on valverde i still have faith in him reguilon i didn't understand for the life of me why you know zizu chose uh to not have him included in the in, in the team uh, i rate him very much uh, odegaard uh, I, I i you know i i that that is a player that actually you know i i get proper sort of 
I don't know about you know jealous, but yeah, I, I I'm sour that Barca didn't manage to snatch him up um, when he was ripe for the plucking, when he was ripe for the taking there, when he was doing his tour around Europe and uh, flirting with the teams, and Madrid got him, and that was a moment where I was like, damn. I guess same, same with Rodrigo for that matter. Rodrigo over Vinicius. I, at the time, I I rated and I still do Rodrigo very much. What a guard at Barca would be an interesting and scary thought. I think. I think he fits that team. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, players I appreciate from Barca, I appreciate good footballers. So in a weird way, <laughs> I appreciate all of them. Like I don't, there's no one on Barca I, I wouldn't quote unquote appreciate from a footballing perspective. They're all great players. I would say, in terms of like, if we're talking about like a theme of signing players for your team, I always thought that Busquets is a player that Real Madrid needed for a long time. Um, mm. Maybe not so mm-hmm. much anymore because Busquets is older. But if we're talking about like, like if we mm. had Busquets, let's say in the 2014-2015 season under Carlo Ancelotti, like after Xabi Alonso left, I think was, we could possibly win four championship titles in a row instead of three. Because we already won one, then we missed out the second one because we lost to Juve in the semifinal. And that was literally because we didn't have a defensive midfielder. Kroos was burnt out, Modric got injured. And if Busquets was in that team, it would have been perfect for the way Carlo Ancelotti played. So um, mm. I think that's a player that Real Madrid could have used for, for quite some time, to be honest. But, I mean, I appreciate them all. Luis Suarez, I a lot yeah, of these I mean, players like I don't, I don't like love, but Luis Suarez is incredible and i don't you know so um oh can i ask you a question before i forget and maybe we can wrap with this diego just yeah. really as far as reminded me with sergio aguero leaving Manchester City at the end of the season would you take him at barca no too old or yeah it's kind of like you know we got rid of luis suarez and to get aguero i mean aguero hasn't played in quite a while he's, he's been he's been very injury prone yeah. Um. I don't know what the the meaning of it would be, and and, and I, I guess my fear would be, if he would arrive, would he play ahead of the younger players that you know need to get more minutes in, and because of his name and because of his friendship potential Messi, would he therefore you know make team sheet and and get and take away you know valuable minutes of the younger ones, the 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 Ansus, the Dembeles, etc. So, yeah. You know, I I just. I don't need like no. I don't want to go down that route, and especially knowing that the pie is most likely coming as well. So I'm like, we don't need two oldies. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I think that's probably the correct take. I don't think that you guys should go and sign Aguero. And Aguero is like he, like I think in a lot of ways, if Messi and Ronaldo weren't around, like they didn't exist, for example. We'd be talking about Aguero in a, like a much higher light as like one of the greats, yeah. but I mean he's just right there in tier two, but he's just not that anymore. Yeah. And so I think it's 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 it would be a step backwards in the sense I think you just have to look ahead, groom your talent from within. Yeah. And oh, Aguero's thirty two; it's not that old, but he's still on the wrong side of thirty. And like you said, he just I'm not exactly sure what version of him exists right now because of his injuries and stuff. So yeah, precisely. I don't know where he goes though, but. Will be interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Let's wrap it here. MLS, maybe. Okay. So what's uh, happening Friday? Will we be back Friday? 
We'll be back Friday. We still have a, a bunch of unanswered questions, uh, which are good as well. So we can take those then. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we can put out another call for questions and do this all over again on uh, Good Friday. Oh, that's right. Good Friday. So patreon.com slash churros y tacticas. If you want access to that Friday show, you can also go and submit questions and get responses. And then, um, yeah, if you, uh, I guess La Liga will be back this weekend, right? So next week we'll we'll probably talk about the results and stuff. And then, um, yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, so just Friday, one step at a time. Friday, join us over on <laughs> patreon.com slash churros y tacticas. And we'll see you there. Diego, it was a pleasure. Thank you, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. And we'll talk soon. Take care. Thank you. Likewise. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.